This morning as I prayed about what to share, I landed in the book of Philippians. Now I landed there on purpose because as you guys know, we've been going through the book of Acts together. And the last week that we spent in the book of Acts was about Paul's stop in a city called Philippi. It was his first stop in Europe. And you'll remember some of the things that happened. He met a group of women by a river that were praying. Lydia and some others and they came to know the Lord. He set a slave girl free from a demon that was possessing her. And he and Silas singing songs in the night in the middle of a jail. Earthquake happened and Paul was able to share the gospel with the jailer. And the jailer came to Jesus. And out of this was born the the Philippian church, the first church in Europe. The book of Philippians, as we know it, was a letter that Paul wrote about 10 years later to this little church that he loved so much. A lot of people think he wrote it while he was in Rome under house arrest, which means he was living in a home, but he was constantly 24-7 chained to a Roman centurion guard. And those guards would change out every six hours. And you can imagine what that's like, having your freedom limited in such a way. But it's out of that context that he writes this book. And ironically, maybe better supernaturally, it's a book all about joy (laughs) and rejoicing and peace and ultimately about Jesus. It means so much more when you know where he wrote it from. But I want to concentrate on one verse this morning, and I'm going to bounce around a little bit throughout the book, but this is the heart, I believe, of Paul's life. It was his passion, Philippians 1.21, he wrote to that little church, he said, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To live is Christ. And I wonder if we were to throw that phrase out there this morning, to live is blank, how you would fill it in. Not just the right church answer, but really the question is, what is it that you spend most of your time thinking about? What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that that fires you up and, and keeps you going? For Paul, Jesus was life. To live is Christ. Jesus was everything. And Look around at the different possibilities. You know, some of us might, if we're honest, say to live is to be liked by those around me. Whatever it takes to get that, man, that is life, to be liked by the people around me. Or to live is to to look good. So I'm just, my, my passion is... My time is devoted to making sure that I I dress well, I work out, I eat right. To live is to work. To to climb that ladder. To to live is to gain wealth. To live is is sports. (laughs) Absolutely. This is a list of people, things that aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, but when they become what drives our life, and they become our top priority. There's, there's something going on. We need to be able to say with Paul to live is Christ. He's my, my everything. If you're going to say that about somebody or something, you want to know is that somebody or something worth it? Is it worth making that person, that someone, that thing my life? 
Paul writes in chapter 2, verse 5 through 11, why he believes Jesus is worth that. He talks about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Paul would say, yes, Jesus is worth living for. Jesus is life. You see it show up in statements that Paul writes in this book that Jesus really is his life, like chapter 1, verse 12. He's talking about his imprisonment. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's not in there throwing a pity party. He's in there saying, because Jesus is my life, I'm okay with what's going on because it's actually served to spread the good news about this Jesus. You say, how'd that work? Well, when you got guards with you 24-7 and Paul's got visitors coming in and he's telling, telling them about Jesus, guess what? These guards are hearing it. And we know that it started, he talks about reaching Caesar's guards. And, and these were soldiers that many of them most likely were only there for a time. And then they were sent off on missions around the Roman Empire. So Paul's like, hey, this is okay. This is God's will. He's using it to advance his gospel. You see it in verses like chapter 1, verse 20. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For Paul, the ultimate issue isn't Paul. It's not, do I live, do I die? It's, hey, is Christ lifted up in that? So that's his life. Jesus is the the reason for living. He's also the source of love in our lives. Source of love, the source of knowing that I'm loved, the source of loving other people. How many know that's a challenge sometimes? To love each other. <laughs> Anybody run into that this week? <laughs> I don't want any specific stories. Some of them might include me. <laughs> Listen to his love for people. And this comes out of Jesus. Chapter 1 verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He loves this church. He realizes we're on the same gospel team. We're we're united. And he's confident of something. Verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I wonder if you could look around this room or the other believers in your life and say, man, I love you. I pray for you. I'm thankful for you. And beyond that, even though you're in process right now, as we all are, I'm confident that Jesus is going to finish what he started in you. 
Wouldn't that give us a gracious attitude towards each other? I mean, we love it when God treats us like that, right? Like God knows I'm growing, so he's patient with me. If we believe that about other people, maybe we'd extend some of that same love to them. He gives an example of Timothy, his young son in the faith. Chapter 2, verse 19, someone who shows what love is. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. Listen to what he says about Timothy. And I sent this verse to to Deborah. I told her it makes me think about the hot shots, um, what, what this verse says. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. This is a young man that does not only care about himself. He genuinely cared for the needs of others. That ought to characterize us as people whose life is Christ. He's our reason for living. He's our source of love. Chapter 3, Jesus was Paul's confidence. And he ought to be our confidence today. Listen to what he wrote in verse 4. He was dealing with some people like we've run in in other books that were trying to tell people, hey, to get right with God, you got to do this and this and this and this and this. And there's a pride that comes with that, right? We start to build our lists. Like I'm climbing the ladder. So Paul has to deal with this. He starts in verse 4 of chapter 3. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, what I can do, what I bring to the table... I have more. And he's only doing this to argue with these, these dudes that are teaching this. But he's like, look, I was circumcised on the eighth day. He's like basically saying, some of you guys have come into Judaism later on in life. I was born into it. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Of the people of Israel, I'm a national Israelite. Some of you guys came in from outside the country. I'm a national Israelite. Of the tribe of Benjamin, listen. Benjamin and Judah were two of the most faithful tribes out of the 12. They, they, they hung on to God at least a little longer than the rest of those tribes. He's like, I came from one of the good tribes. A Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. He's like, you guys think you kept the law? I was a Pharisee. I kept it to the T, and I taught other people to do it. And you think you guys are working hard for God? Listen to what I did when I was under that system. I persecuted the church. He's like, you guys think you're doing stuff for for God under that system? Listen, I killed people. All right, I tracked them down, hunted them down, locked them up. You guys think you're zealous? It's nothing compared to how zealous I was. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. So here's his list, right? He's, He's saying, if you guys want to play that game, here's my list. But whatever was to my profit, all this stuff I just said, I now consider loss. For the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. He's saying, guys, I don't put my confidence in my list, I put my confidence in Jesus. And Carolyn and Autumn went to the Beth Moore simulcast yesterday over at the Ridge Church. 
And Carolyn told me that one of the main things she talked about during her, it was 9 to 4.30, one of the main things Beth Moore was getting across is how a lot of us start with grace. Like, man, I know I can't get saved on my own, so I'm going to believe in Jesus. But shortly after that, it turns and we start back into this list keeping. Like, we feel like if I've got to do these 10 or 12 things, and when we inevitably fail at that, we, we live life with this sense of God's disappointed with me. God's disappointed with me. And that's the primary feeling about God that we have throughout our lives. And what Paul is saying here is God does not accept you because of your list. He accepts you because his perfect son died in your place and rose again. And when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. So if you want to go to your list, yeah, you're going to be disappointed. You want to know that God loves you. You want to be confident in him. Go to Jesus. Find your confidence in him. I consider all this other stuff rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which is through faith in Christ. So Jesus was his reason for living, source of love, his confidence, and finally what you see in this letter is Jesus is the source of peace. How many of you guys, you look at your lives and say, man, that's something I could use a little bit more of? <laughs> Whether it's in external relationships with other people or just internally with all the things that, that wear us down, the anxieties, the worries, man, I could use a little more peace. Chapter 4 is all about that. There was some unrest in the church at Philippi. Chapter 4, verse 2. He says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Sintiki to agree with each other in the Lord. These were two women in the Philippian church at odds with each other about something. We don't know what. But Paul was very aware, as you and I are, that when we let our selfish interests get in the way of what God wants to do, it can spread through a whole body like wildfire and get us distracted from the reason we're here. He's like, plead with them to work this out. It's getting in the way of what God wants to do. Plead with them for peace. But he also knows that you can't have peace outwardly unless you have peace in here. How how many of you guys know that peace in here is where peace with other people starts? (laughs) It's something that goes deeper than the situation going on. And he says, how do you get that peace? Well, first, it's through prayer. Chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Man, how many of you would love to be able to say this morning, I'm honestly not anxious about anything? (laughs) That'd be awesome. He tells us how. He says, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and check out this promise. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That, that idea of it guarding your heart and your mind, what I think about is the, the good shepherd in the Old Testament. One of the worst threats to a sheep not just the wolves and the lions. Those are the, the larger threats. There were actually these little flies that would buzz around their head. 
And they would land on their eyes. And, and if allowed to stay there, they would actually blind some sheep. And when it got really bad, they would lay their larvae and get, the larvae would get inside the sheep's digestive system and kill them. The shepherd, the good shepherd would come along, make a special form of oil. Like in Psalm 23 when it says, you anoint my head with oil. He's talking about shepherds and sheep. He would put that oil over that sheep's head. And you know what that oil would do? It would guard that sheep's eyes and his body from those nasty little flies and enable the sheep to live a healthy, peaceful life. I think about the flies in our lives as just the anxieties, the worries. And, and this is the New Testament picture of that. Jesus is saying, God's saying, hey, you present your requests to me, but don't just present them. You present it with thanksgiving. That's important. It's more than just going to God with your whining list. <laughs> it's going to God with your whining list, but with an attitude of faith that says, God, even though I don't like what's going on, I thank you that you're in control. I thank you that you're with me. I thank you that you're working in the middle of this. I thank you that you're here. It's an attitude of faith along with the list. And he says, when we do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He tells us it comes from having right thoughts, this peace. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do you guys know you don't have to spend all your time thinking about the worries? But we do sometimes, don't we? And what Paul's telling us is you have a choice. What are you going to spend your time thinking about? I think the ultimate thought Paul would drive us to is think about Jesus. Man, you want some peace in your heart. Change your thought pattern to think about Jesus. And finally, he, he talks about contentment. Verses 12 and 13, chapter 4. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. He's been on both ends of the spectrum. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And you say, what's the secret? How do I get that kind of contentment? How do I have that kind of, same kind of contentment when, the, when I get that bonus check? How do I get that same kind of contentment when, when my check comes up half as big as I thought it was going to be? How, how do you have the same contentment in both circumstances? Verse 13, he says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Again, it's Jesus. He says, I can do that, not on my own. I can only do that through looking to Jesus. So in, in summary, he says, Jesus is my reason for living. He's my source of love. He's my confidence, and he's my peace. But I want to share what this looks like today. I want to share a story with you that I'm excited about. It, it's happened over the course of the past three weeks. Say, so is this kind of... Is Jesus being the reason for living, does that still work today? I, I talked to a gal named Jennifer. She, she gave me permission to share the story of what God's been doing in her life. Jennifer was a dispatcher for the Hot Shots. 
She works at the, the center, and she had worked a lot of shifts, 15-hour shifts, tired, weary, worn down. She'd get home, and she had a large property out in Chino with animals and stuff and didn't even have the energy to deal with that. And she, she began to get into sort of a depression. And it got worse when our hotshots died. She knew a lot of those guys. And it, it pushed her over the edge. And so her supervisor called the, the Chino police for her safety. They, they knew she was at home alone and didn't want her to hurt herself. Janice's son, Chris, is on the Chino PD. So he went out there and ran the call, talked to her, and he went above and beyond anything he needed to do. He said they had a hard time finding a counselor for her, so he made phone call after phone call after phone call. He got a hold of me and said, Hey, Scott, would you be willing to, to meet with this gal? And I had just told Carolyn the day before, I'm getting restless. Like, I want an opportunity in the community. And we, it's like God heard that prayer the next day. Like, I'd been working on some administrative stuff. And any of you, I want to get out there. <laughs> but I get this call from Chris. And I'm like, Chris, your timing is awesome. This is God's timing. I'll meet her today. So we sat down about three weeks ago. Her supervisor came with her. Her supervisor loved her a lot. And Jennifer basically said to me, I, I just want to lay down and not wake up. She said, I'm, I'm done. She said, I would never do anything intentionally to hurt myself, but that's where I'm at. And uh, I asked her, I said, do you have any faith? Where, where do you turn to for strength? And she said, I don't really have any, any sort of faith that I, that I turn to. I said, would you mind if I shared a little bit of where I've turned to, where I've been down, when I've been down? And, and I told her about some trials in my life. And I, t- I told her one of my favorite, favorite promises where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And, I'll give you rest. I told her about where God says, cast your cares on me for I, for I care for you. And, and she listened and took it in and she told me a little bit more about her situation. And we prayed at the end. I prayed for her. And later that night, this was the beginning. You know, you talk about Jesus being a reason for living as Paul talked about. She, she texted me that night and she says, you know, I'm still hurting, but for the first time in a long time, I feel like I have some hope. Like I have some, some fight in me. She, she was start, starting to see it. We fast forward three weeks and we ended up meeting again this past Tuesday. And as I met with her, she's like, look, I don't know a lot. She's like, I know I can't sleep at night. These worries get me. And she said, the only two things I know, these are the only two things I know. She said, found the website from the church and I've been listening to sermons at night and my, my friend dropped off a bag the other week and it had a book in it. It's called Jesus Calling. She said, those are the only things I know at night when I need to sleep. I, I listen to sermons and I'm reading this Jesus Calling book and she's like, in her own way saying, she, she's seeing God chase her down really. <laughs> and so, that day as we met, I, I we talked for a while, and I shared how Jesus wanted to be her good shepherd, you know. And we talked about what that meant to place your faith in Jesus Christ and, and embrace him. I said, he's the only ultimate answer to that. And she was so honest. I loved it. She's like, in my heart, I want that, but I'm a pretty independent person. And there's something in my mind that's just, I'm not ready to let him have control of my life. I said, that's okay. You know, we're going to walk through this with you regardless of, of where you're at. And 
You fast forward to Friday this week. I got a text from her that said the answer is yes with big, bold letters. <laughs> she said that Wednesday morning she was up at 5.30 and the word she used was I decided to allow him to be everything that he, he did for me. And so she said a couple of things. She said we talked about Jesus being the source of love. When she told me what had happened Wednesday morning, she said, I have never felt so loved in my life. I've never felt loved like this before. We talked about Jesus being the source of, of confidence. Uh, she texted Chris the other day and told him she's, she's starting to feel ready to re-engage in the world. Uh, she, she sent me a text this morning. You know, because she started to wrestle with that insecurity that we all do about our status with God. And she said, I picked up my Jesus Calling book. And it said, you don't have to perform to please me. I did it all for you. She said, talk about just what I needed. She's finding her confidence in Jesus. And you talk about peace. She told me on Friday, she said, I've never felt peace like this in my life before. And I just don't want it to go. I don't want it to leave. I just wanted to share that because when we talk about Jesus being the reason for life, to live is Christ. That's what she's finding. That's what many of us have found. And I'd say keep on holding on to him as that reason for life. He's worth it. <laughs> He's still changing lives today. Lord, I thank you so much for this little letter that Paul wrote out of your heart of love. I believe when his heart loved these people is your heart beating through him. And God, just, we thank you for Jesus. He is worth living for. He's our reason for living. He's our source of love. He's our confidence. He is our peace. And Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that needs to claim that for the first time or come back to it again, Lord, that they would find him to be everything that he is. Lord, we thank you for Jennifer. and As she asks for our help, as she takes her first step, Lord, steps as a, a new believer, I pray that you'd help us as a church and missional communities to honor that great privilege and responsibility to walk alongside her. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for Jesus. And uh, even as we prepare to take our offering this morning, we, we want to pray that everything that comes in will be out of a heart of gratitude for him. And that it would go to advance his kingdom, his gospel, his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.